The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. We need all of you. You know what's beautiful to me? Is to see all of these ministers of the gospel. It's a marvelous picture. Who is it that is supposed to articulate the longings and aspirations of the people more than the preacher? Somehow the preacher must have a kind of fire shut up in his bones. And whenever injustice is around, he must tell it. Somehow the preacher must be an said when God speaks, who can but prophesy? Again with Amos, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Somehow the preacher must say with Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And he's anointed me to deal with the problems of the poor. And I want to commend the preachers because so often preachers aren't concerned about anything but themselves. Peace and blessings, everyone. This is Carlos Carr, Sr. with the Right Authority Podcast. I also go by the name The KCOG. What you just heard was Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, That was a clip from the last speech that Dr. King made. I've been to the mountaintop. And you heard what Dr. King proposed as the purpose of the preacher. Now, before we get into um, my topic, um, I do want to um, go ahead and welcome everybody in properly. Um, Why am I here? I am here to develop an intelligent agenda for African and indigenous people living in America. The purpose of that agenda For us to find a way to become self-reliant, self-dependent within our communities and to start the process of dismantling white supremacy. If you do not understand white supremacy, what it is and how it works, everything and anything that you might understand will confuse you. That is a quote from Neely Fuller Jr. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring you into my topic today. A good friend of mine uh, sent me a message to check out um, this movie on Amazon Prime. I did, and I'm so confused with the black church. Why? The movie my friend asked me to check out is Contradiction. It is a documentary on the black church directed by Jeremiah Kamara. Contradiction addresses 
the saturation of churches in the black community coexisting with poverty, poverty, and powerlessness. Why are there so many churches yet so many problems? Is there a correlation between high praise and low productivity? My answer is a resounding yes, there is. Now, the director of the program asked several members of the church a question on morality. And he did go to particular churches and talk to uh, members and in some cases, pastors of those churches. Now, this is where I become confused. But you gotta first, we gotta first look at one important piece before I even put the question he posed out there. Okay. Let's look at the definition of the word morality. Now, looking it up, Webster, American Dictionary, wherever you go to look things up, I found three definitions. Definition number one of morality, principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior. One more time. Principles concerning the distinction between right, wrong, or good and bad behavior. Definition number two. A particular system of values and principles of conduct, especially one held by a specific, specific person, specific person or society. Definition number three, the extent to which an action is right or wrong. So, Looking at those three definitions, I can clearly say morality is a guidance system which helps you determine if your behavior is right or wrong or good or bad. Okay? Now, let's get to my confusion with the black church. Let's get back to the question. The question he asks is, can a moral person go to heaven? That's the question. One more time. Can a moral person go to heaven? The answer, there are a lot of moral people that will not go to heaven if they do not accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Say what? I call in the morning, I call in the evening. Jesus, why Jesus? Jesus, why Jesus? I love him, I adore him, I worship him, I lift him up. Oh, Lord. 
now. I understand the belief. I understand the faith. The problem is I conducted this experiment myself. Asked three per- three Christians and I got the same answer three times. Now I know that's a small sample, but it shows it really shows the mindset of the black church. Now, again, a moral person cannot go to heaven if they do not accept Jesus. Okay. Do y'all see why I'm confused? And why it is a contradiction? I asked this question also to the same three people. And each time I asked the question, the answer from all three was the same. Yes, you are confused. And no, it is not a contradiction. Oh boy. So we had to agree that I'm confused, but they don't have any idea why I'm confused. Keep in mind, morality is your guidance system for good, bad, right, wrong behavior. Okay? So, I'm being told Pretty much. I'm being told that you do not have to be a moral person to enter into heaven. You just have to believe. You just have to believe. So, could it be that we're just in love with Jesus' name and we're not learning from the principles that Jesus, the Christ, left us? Could it be? So, I also asked about the Ten Commandments and following the Ten Commandments to the T. I was told that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is no longer required by Christians to follow as the New Testament starts the New Covenant Covenant. And you must accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because Jesus died for your sins. Now, if you could see my face right now, you would see that I'm extremely puzzled. Because wait a minute. Don't the Ten Commandments dictate good, bad, or right, wrong behavior? That's why I'm puzzled. 
don't the Ten Commandments dictate good, bad, or right, wrong behavior, or in short, morality? Now, <clears throat> we got to break this thing down a little bit and show why I am confused and why I agree that it is a contradiction to say you don't have to be moral in order to enter into heaven. But we're going to take a little side note here. I'm going to point out something to you real quick if you haven't been paying attention to the news. And I know this is a lousy example, but it's a good example for us to take a look at. Mike Pence, the former vice president of the United States. Uh, I understand that uh, Mike Pence is a very religious man and he reveres his wife as the love of his life to the point that he will not stay in a room with a single woman and not have someone else in the room. Okay. And Mike Pence understands the Constitution. Now, Pence finally came out and did the right thing, which is morality, good, right behavior. By saying Trump was wrong, he had no authority to overturn the reading of the Electoral College into the congressional record. That's January 6th, y'all. Look it up in your constitution, January 6th, and the purpose of January 6th. Look it up. In short, he knew it was a formality. And there was nothing he could do to overturn the people's choice. Enough said on Pence. But that's a example of being moral good and right you stand up for it and Pence did that so my hat is off I'm not shouting him out but I will take my hat off for Pence standing up for what is right and what is wrong and what he could do constitutionally on January 6th now Knowing the definition of morality, my mistake there, knowing the definition of morality, I understand it to be a guiding system for my behavior. The Ten Commandments is the definition of morality as it, as it is telling you what is right, wrong, good, or bad behavior. Now, I'm not going against doctrine here. I'm, I'm saying in real life, I mean, when you look at where we are right this moment, even though the book says Jesus blood forgave our sins, but it did not remove sin from the world. If you look at the world today, you can see that. And I hate to tell y'all, it is not a cover for your sins. Let me explain. You commit adultery. You never repent or confess your sins and you continue to commit adultery all the way up upon your death. So in this instance, all we have to do is say, before I leave here, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Boom, he's in the heaven. But what about all the hurt and calls, all the hurt I cause or you cause on both sides? Your wife, the girlfriend, and you did this repeatedly like you didn't care. beginning to get my point you never changed now 
it's here that I'm confused because you call yourself a Christian, which means Christ-like, and you follow the teachings of Jesus. We also know that Jesus the Christ is a righteous man. He healed the sick, blind and crippled, health and wellness, wellness. He fed the hungry, poverty, through the money changers, out of the temple by whipping their behinds. Immorality, no respect for the Lord's house. He told the Pharisees, you're wrong. Politics. Walked among, among and ministered to the people, teaching, ministry. Lip, lift up the downtrodden by enlightening them with his wisdom. And yes, he forgave immoral behavior only after confession or repent. Only then are you worthy to call Jesus Lord because you change your heart and ways. Okay. Jesus rebuked the rich, immoral, immoral practices, and comforted the poor and the forgotten. Love. Love. Jesus' story is full of actions, not praising actions. Jesus' story is about love, righteousness, morality, action, and most importantly, walking and working among the people, especially the poor. Now, with all that said, I mean, that's my take on the whole thing. And with all that said, I dug a little deeper for to kind of figure out what, what Christian uh, beliefs are seeing that I don't understand. So one of the people I had asked the question to told me that I need to understand the crucifixion of Christ. So I said, well, I do understand the, the crucifixion, crucifixion of Christ. Uh, I said, God, that Christ died for our sins. Okay. I then said, but sin was not removed from the world. Those are two different things. Okay. I'm giving you the biblical te text or the biblical uh, thought on that. And then I'm giving you what's reality. When you look out your front door, what you see, okay? Now, okay, Christ died on the cross. And she pointed out to me, the thief on the right, She said, the thief on the right asked for mercy and God said to him, or Jesus said to him, that on this day, you will enter into heaven with me. Okay. Now, that's all good. 
I said, okay, okay, I see where it's coming from now. I got it. Then I went in and I read the Bible on Christ's crucifixion. And then I noticed something that they were talking about that I didn't understand. So I had to go look it up. Okay. So stay with me. According to the Bible, the crucifixion of Christ, the thief on the left mocked him for not saving himself, Christ himself, and the thief, if he was the son of God. So they mocked him. Now, while that is going on, the Roman soldiers are also mocking Christ, okay? Now, what she's pointing me to is that the thief on the right asked Christ for mercy and was given granted into heaven. Now, I understand that back in them days, words were used differently. So one of the things I did is when I did the research, I looked up the penitent thief. The penitent thief is the thief that was on the right of Christ. Now, when I saw this term, again, I didn't recognize it, so I had to look it up. And when I look it up and I look at the word penitent, it means to repent. Look it up, y'all. And if you don't know that the thief on the right was called in Christian theology, the penitent thief, go see your pastor. Now, here's the thing, and this is why you have to understand that the language they were using back then is not the same language we are using today. So, when I went to something called the concordance, the uh, and I looked up the word mercy, the word mercy back then meant to ask for forgiveness and repent. So this is the problem that I'm seeing when I was directed to the crucifixion, somebody didn't understand all the words and what they meant. You see, because when the thief asked, the penitent thief asked for mercy, he was actually saying, forgive me, I have changed my heart. I have changed my ways. And that is when Jesus responded, on this day, you will enter heaven with me. So there's a two-step process, y'all, when you're talking about your belief in Christ and accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a two-step process. The other part of the process is you have to give up your old ways. You have to give up your old life. You have to repent, ask for mercy. You have to do those things too, okay? Now, let me get back on point here. Give me a moment. Find my. Get back into my notes here so I don't get too far off point. Okay, here we are. So, if you overlook the penitent thief, 
he asked for mercy, which in those days meant he repented. That's why he is the penitent thief. Now, if the crucifixion without the understanding of the penitent thief is where most Christians are, then they don't have the full story correct. You need to go see your pastor and ask the question, okay? Now I'm gonna go off script again, now that I got that out of the way. Now think of it like this, y'all. If another Christian just walks up to you and say, I believe in Christ, and you accept that, and do not look into anything as far as his character, uh, his history, you know, uh, his family, but most importantly, character. See, I'm gonna, again, bring this into a way to turn something into action. Turn your praise into action. And I want you to also understand something called the Christian right, okay? Uh, if you know about the Christian right, you also know it's the Christian white as well. So. What I'm getting ready to tell you involves all of this, okay? And you gotta keep this in mind so that you can get the full understanding of what I'm trying to, to um, put out here. Once that person tells you I'm a Christian and I accepted Christ, you're done. Take him for his face value, his word. And we don't do things like um, find out he's been married three times. He grabbed a woman by the privates. He said the white supremacists in Charlottesville are good people. He lied about his finances. He tried to steal an election he lost. He turned on his VP, no loyalty, no trust. And when you look up his business dealings, you will find people who say he literally stole from them. He does not ask for things, he demands things. Just ask the Georgia Secretary of State who is also a Republican. Most blatantly, this person took a photo out in front of a church across the street from the White House. And when you look at the photo op, the Bible is upside down. And here's the final thing. At their CPAC convention, these people rolled out a golden statue of this person. You wanna hear more? He was an associate of Jeffrey Epstein and admitted he was on Epstein's yacht once. beginning to get the story here and how we can turn it into action just by checking not only if he's confessing to be a Christian what does his background say about him being a Christian is he a stand-up moral strong character okay I gave you the Pence the Pence example a little earlier all right 
I'm not saying I'm a Pence fan. I just gave you the example, okay? Now, give me a moment. So again, all we need to hear from our politicians or anybody that we consider a Christian that we don't know, but they are confessing, confessing their faith. Um, so all we need to hear is uh, you accept Christ as your Lord, Lord and Savior, and we good. We good. That's all we got to do. Right? Well, it would help to check one's character and background uh, to see if what you're dealing with is truly a moral stand-up person, even though they are confessing their belief in Christ, because now that we understand, if you go back and properly look at the crucifixion and you look at the thief on the right, the penitent thief, you found out when he asked for mercy, he was actually repenting. That's what got him into heaven, okay? He repented. He changed his heart. Now, there's another thing I got to point out here before I um, move on with this discussion, or this diatribe, I should say. Last, let's look at one other thing in the crucifixion because uh, I believe it uh, also has, uh, as a symbol, it, it was a way of saying this is not supposed to happen, y'all, if you are a true Christian. Uh, you remember I said the uh, impotent thief, the thief on the left, mocked Christ along with the Roman soldiers. Well, if you know the full story here, the Roman soldiers were also dividing up the possessions of Jesus, except for one thing, his robe, his tunic. That could not be divided. So what they did is they rolled the dice to see who will get the tunic, okay? Now, because that is part of the crucifixion and that these Roman soldiers were literally killing Jesus at the same time they was mocking Jesus and at the same time dividing up his personal possessions and then in order to get the robe or the tunic they gamble for it. Now to me that symbolism says gambling is a sin. Well, I know a bunch of Christians that gamble. I mean, a lot of them. So, moving on. Okay. Now, I think I'm no longer confused about the morality um, and the black church because uh, one very important fact, the movie Contradiction brings out the level of education of the black pastor. There is a scene in the movie where the director asked a black pastor who happens to be a female about morality and going to heaven. Are you ready for an answer? No, you must accept Christ to enter heaven.
Yes, God is. Okay. There's an old saying that you have to consider the source. Now, do keep in mind, we were talking about the director speaking to the black pastor concerning uh, morality and going to heaven. And her answer again was, no, you don't have to be moral. You just need to accept Christ to enter heaven. All right. Now, you got to understand, and I said consider the source, okay? And I'm, I'm going to break that down for you right now. Uh, a lot of small storefront churches are led by pastors and people that got the calling to the ministry. In fact, a lot of small churches are, whether they're storefront or not, are led by pastors that say they got the calling, but no real training in theology, seminary school, no college, generally. And most of them didn't even do an apprenticeship with a letter minister. Now, this leads to pastors that do not know how to properly interpret the Bible. It's many stories, it's verses, letters, psalms, and parables. This turns what should be sound knowledge or sober sober thinking and sober thinking in the Bible if you go look that up you will find out that sober thinking means the presence of soundness of mind not the absence of drugs and alcohol in other words you are prepared with a sound mind So what happens is, because a lot of pastors in these small churches are just working off of their calling and their love, they're not properly teaching their congregations. Okay, so you get a lot of these um, misinterpretation of Understanding the word morality, which um, the church shouldn't have to just be the only place where you learn about morality. Um, uh, our school system should be uh, teaching uh, morals and ethics, if you ask me, uh, especially on the college level. But maybe even in high school, you begin to, to mix in a little moral and ethics and behavior, not only in society, business, and places like that, but only in your own personal life as well. Uh, it really helps to have that in place. And trust me, I am talking from experience. So uh, let me get back to where I'm at here. There is something called the concordance. Concordance. Now, the concordance is used to provide an alphabetical listing of biblical references. This allows one to study the various uses of the word throughout scripture. Okay, study the various uses of the word. Remember I said language was different back in those days than what they are today. Language was different. Here's the other thing. The concordance is organized in the original biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek. Okay? Now, you begin to see why you need some advanced study because if you are got this thing broken down into Hebrew and Greek and you understand English, it would probably help if you understood Hebrew or Greek as well. Okay? If your pastor is not using 
the concordance as a tool. Y'all do me a favor. Run. Run. Oh, when he wore. When Jesus wore. He washed my sins away. A happy day. Get away from that pastor. Now, we're getting toward the end of this thing, uh, so stay with me a little longer. It ain't gonna take much longer. Uh, at this point, at the very least, the black church can mimic the white Christian right by turning their misinformation into action. Now, I'm going to have to share a few things with you here. Um, that it's not that I'm going off script, but I think it's important that you guys understand this. I am looking, and what I did is I typed in to Google the Old Testament, and then I clicked on Wikipedia. Now, I want y'all to understand some things um, about religion and the books they use, okay? They have this thing broken down between Hebrew Bible, the Protestant Bible, the Catholic Bible, and Eastern Orthodox Church Bible, okay? Now, of course, the Hebrew Bible is also known as the Torah, Except when you go to the Jewish Bible, and it is called uh, Tanakh, and has 24 books, where the Hebrew Bible only has five books, and it is known as the Book of Moses. So across uh, all categories, the Protestant, Catholic, or Eastern Orthodox, church uh, the first five books of the bible are uh, what they call the law the law okay and then for the protestants catholics and the eastern orthodox church now let me make sure you understand this Again, in, Protestant, in the Protestant Bible, there's only 39 books. In the Catholic Bible, there's 46 books. In Eastern Orthodox, the Old uh, Bible, there are 49 books. But these books are broke down into the five books of Moses, the historical books, and the wisdom books, and then it goes into uh, major prophets, prophets, and the twelve minor prophets, uh, which makes up the difference in these books by the different um, religions: Protestant, Catholic versus uh, Eastern uh, East, Eastern Orthodox. Now, do keep in mind if you go to the original language of this you'll see all the way down to uh, 
Well, all the way down to Second Chronicles, that book was written in Hebrew. Uh, and then in the... In the Eastern um, Orthodox Church, Esdras, uh, E-S-D-R-A-S, is a book that is included in Eastern Orthodox Church, which was written in Greek. And then it picks back up with Ezra, uh, which was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, Jeremiah was also written in Hebrew. And then again, in the Protestant Bible, you don't have uh, Tobias. But in the Catholic and in the Eastern uh, Orthodox Church, you have um, Tobias as part of the books, and that was written in Arabic and Hebrew. Then you have, again, and this is in the historical books, Notice in the historical books, we do not have Tobias or Judith who were written in Hebrew. And I'm just showing y'all the differences in these different Bibles that are out there. And then when you come down, everybody has uh, Esther except for uh, the Hebrew Bible, the Torah. And then from Esther, it switches between Greek and Hebrew, Hebrew language and the different books. Now, do keep in mind, what I'm going through right now is the portion of the Bible they call the historical books. And most of this uh, is in the Old Testament uh, before we uh, flip over to the New Testament, okay? So we get all the way down to uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, a less, I can never say that word. I can never say that word. Sons of, Sol of Solomon are songs of songs. Now, it stops there in the Protestant book, but in the Catholic book and the Eastern book, you still have another one called Wisdom that was written in Greek and Sirach, which is Hebrew, that was written in Hebrew. Then it drops into what they call the major prophets. Now this is breaking down your Bible so that you understand. Now you gotta keep in mind for the Hebrew Bible, none of this stuff is included. For the Jewish Bible, then the books of the Old Testament, uh, as well as some of the books of the uh, major prophets, prophets, is included. And then um, it drops down to the 12 minor prophets. And this is the New Testament, or what, or what I hope is the New Testament, I think is the New Testament. Uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, uh, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, um, well, I understand Micah was the end of the Old Testament, so maybe not. Uh, Nahum, uh, Malachi is in there, uh, Zeruiah, uh, Hagar, uh, Zephania, and Habakkuk are the books listed, listed in the Bible. Now, the different types of Bible is what I'm referring to. So uh, I believe they're including the King James and the Protestant version of the Bible. Uh, and the other thing I want y'all to point out about the Bible 
is this interesting word that I keep seeing pop up when I open a Bible and I check when the Bible was uh, printed. I also see the word revised. 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 Okay. Interesting. I just think that's interesting that most people don't pick up the fact that that word is being used when they reprint the Bible. They don't say reprint. They say revise. Revise means you're either correcting or adding something or removing something. Okay? So I just wanted you guys to um, take a look at that and understand that if your pastor is not properly educated, uh, y'all probably he never heard half the stuff I just told you about with the four major Bibles that they use for the four different religions of the world, five including the Jewish religion. Uh, those, that tells me, and you gotta look at it. Hebrew Bible, five books of Moses. The Tanakh, the Jewish Bible, 24 books. Protestants have 39 books. Catholics have 46 books. And Eastern Orthodox Church has 49 books. So what I'm trying to show you is that even among the religion, religions, there's not a consistent format that I am seeing. So what I am getting at here is that these pastors who say they receive the calling and no training, some of these pastors are very dangerous to us because they are not teaching us the correct way. And more and more I am finding, especially today, I hate to tell y'all this, but the black church is dying. Membership is down, membership is old, majority women, Youth membership is declining. And actually, if you look at what's going on with today's youth, they are looking for alternative spiritual spaces. So I didn't do all this to put down the black church. That's not my purpose. What I'm getting to is that we need to repurpose the black church. Okay? We need to get the black church back to its original glory. What the black church did for us during enslavement, reconstruction, and the civil rights era. Okay? Maybe it's time for black churches to start to network together to provide services to poor, underserved communities. Maybe it's time for the black church to work together to invest, especially here in Kansas City, with the city of Kansas City, buy up some of these vacant homes that are out there, and through the network of churches, rehab those homes for the poor and low income. And I'm gonna tell you a little, a little a trick on our psyche. If you haven't figured out, y'all, that when a person owns something, they tend to take better care of it than when they are renting something. Think about that. Now,
The other thing that I think the black church can do to repurpose itself is to um, help us lift up the people by giving the people more education. Now, when I say the people, I'm not talking about your congregation. I'm talking about going into your neighborhoods as a network of churches and bringing people from the community into these classes. Uh, you could do things uh, like uh, Christian sex education class or Christian morals and ethics classes how about a young a young adult community service class where young adults learn to do community service for their community and understand the importance of that how about a collective of churches supporting a pantry fundraiser so that this network of of uh, churches is always able to provide a pantry to the poor. In fact, the sky's the limit on what the black church can do in our communities today. If you haven't noticed that the majority of the week, the black church is locked up and closed. Okay? Sunday, Wednesday, and when uh, Wednesday's generally Bible study, whenever choir rehearsal is, uh, men's study, women's study, whenever you got those type of things uh, scheduled, that's when the church is open. But that's only for their members. We have not opened the church to the community. And I think that's one of the strategies we will need to do because if this whole thing goes crazy, I assure you, one of the first thing our enemies are going to do is tap into black pastors. So we need to beat them to the punch and take control of our black pastors. Um, other things, I, I mentioned earlier that the black church can emulate the Christian right and become a moral driving force in politics, for real. And the last thing I'm gonna say, cause I'm now over an hour and I was not intending to go that long, is that I tell Christians, we, they don't know who we are. That our spirituality combined collectively our spirituality could be the trumpet, the trumpet, trumpet of Jericho that can bring the walls of oppression tumbling down. I actually believe that is the power of African people spiritually but that power cannot and will not work until we do the first thing first and that's learn to love one another and with that y'all I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this thing out I'm gonna get out of here I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me while you're here. If you're at my website, www.therightauthority.com, please buy a brother a cup of coffee. Any donations coming in to me will be shared with other organizations that I support. You can go to my website, you can see that information. But other than that, y'all, peace and blessings. I'm out of here. Enjoy the rest of your week.
and clarification on something as I was talking about the books of the Old Testament I literally forgot that I was talking about the books of the Old Testament so I want to make sure it's clear that the conversation on the Old Testaments were on four different fractions of the Christian religion and I was showing you the differences in each book of the Old Testament. So, my apologies and correction, I was speaking of the Old Testament the entire time. Thank you. <laughs> 